I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're The Editing Podcast. Hello, it's Denise here. Episode 78 of The Editing Podcast was part one of our chat with Carol Saller, where we talked all about blogging goals, how to get ideas for blogging and promotion strategies. In this episode, we carry on our conversation about blogging with Carol, and that includes repurposing blog content and making use of analytics without getting lost down the rabbit hole. Take it away, Louise. So let's talk about one of um, Denise's and my favourite topics. Um, (laughs) We love talking about repurposing. It's just the best time-saving hack we can Mm. think of. Now, some people have asked me if that's cheating, and I always think that it's about respecting the fact that people want to consume content in different ways. So, Carol, what's your take on repurposing? Have you approached it? Um, have Have you done that, and was it successful? Well, first of all, I totally agree. It's not cheating. It's not like there are rules. I mean, actually, <laughs> yeah. that reminds me of a funny story. Can I tell a funny story? Absolutely, yeah. When my um, when my son was a little, one of my sons, I I taught him that card game. We call it war. It, maybe you know it. It's just pure chance. The highest card wins. There's no way to mm-hmm. strategize. And okay. um, after a while, uh, my son threw down his cards in disgust and said. There's no way to cheat at this game. <laughs> so that's how I feel about about repurposing. There's no there's no way to cheat. You can repurpose anything you want because just like you said, nobody's on social media or whatever all the time. You need to put it out there in different ways. Um, it's very unlikely that anyone's going to see it more than once anyway. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I am not good at this. I've done a terrible job repurposing. Um, <laughs> I tried to make a podcast and um, from recycled material and you know, my heart just wasn't in it. I actually took it down. Um, I think it's there, but it's not, I don't put it in my menu anymore. I took right, it away. Right, I, yeah. I also tried to self-publish a collection of early blog posts. And I do make about 79 cents a month from that. Literally. Oh. I'm not kidding. Well, um, one of those 79 cents would have been from me because I do, in fact, have a oh. copy of Moonlight Poker. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> one of the early um, things I bought, actually. When oh, I oh gosh. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy to sell something that's available free online, but... Um, then, um, Although, yeah. can I just butt in there? Yeah, um, sure. Because um, Rich Aiden pulled all his blog posts together um, and put them in a book called The Business of Editing. And I bought that because that that uh, Ruth Taylor Carter um, owns that, the American editor now. But when Rich was working on it, it was so dense. There was so much stuff ah. that I thought, I don't want to, to, to try and navigate in that space. It's too, There's too much. And this is the thing about popular blogs. You know, they become so it becomes difficult to find things unless you've got stuff feeding into a learning center where there's tagging set up. And so actually that can be really effective for some people who just want to get the stuff, you know, they just want to access it. You know, it's always worth a try, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the problems with, um, with my selling that book now is that a lot of the posts have to do with editing technology I mean tangentially yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. that's just it's not that fresh you know I don't really try to sell it anymore Mm. and I've thought about taking it down altogether but I take your point that if I were um if I were to try uh another volume with more recent 
posts. I think it would, of course, now yeah. I don't, I don't own, I wouldn't be allowed to because I think the University of Chicago Press owns my, uh, owns your content. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, after hearing one of your podcasts on repurposing, I made a little list of ideas to carry uh -huh. through on. And I love these ideas, um, although I haven't done any of them. <laughs> but I remember what they were. One was to make a uh, long Twitter thread out of an old post. And uh -huh. I see these mm. threads, they start off by saying, this is going to be a long thread. So people are, and then they keep replying you know, so it's more, yeah. it's many t tweets all linked and it doesn't inconvenience anyone because anyone who isn't up for a long tweet can just pass over that one, yep. but they get a lot of traction. They do. They do. I've, I've found that whenever I do one, Carol, it gets huge engagement on Twitter way above yeah. my other tweets yeah. and things like that. People like to think that they're getting a chunky bit of content and you know giving you know 10 or 15 points in one thread that's all held together in one thread rather than them all getting lost in separate tweets yeah um, people really like that yeah again you're making it easy for people mm -hmm. aren't you to, to little to, bites yeah, yeah. snippets yeah. yeah yeah i think that's right mm. um, and you also mentioned uh making a slideshow or or even a screencast video out of mm. a post which i actually know how to do but have not <laughs> done um i haven't even i don't even tweet links to old posts very often even though i want to but i i haven't actually found those to get much love so that one no i suppose it depends what I, I, I mentioned that to, to Louise once about, because we both use um, schedulers to um, recycle our, mm -hmm. our older, our evergreen content that's still relevant. Mm -hmm. um, and although they may not necessarily be getting a huge amount of engagement, people are still seeing them. You know, it's, yeah. it's still yeah. there. Sometimes it's a nudge. Yeah, it yeah. can just be a nudge. Yeah. So, yeah. I also I, I, think that sometimes when I look at my the uh, analytics and I see some of the stats telling me where people have come from that doesn't always reflect on that particular day that level of engagement I've got in terms of people liking or commenting mm. so I, I think it's often more worth doing than people realize put it that mm. way I, I, okay. I don't I try not to get too bogged down in the have people have people engaged with this given that I've have posted this maybe you know X number of times before in the past three years, if it's still relevant, um, I can't. I, I've started looking a bit further down the road and thinking like, what happens after that? Probably lower down in the funnel, Denise. We're going to talk about yes. funnels later. <laughs> funnels. Well, yeah. I'm going to make a note of that, and I'm going to try it more. I yeah. That's a, that's a um, resolution. So you, you can. Right I now. mean, you know, if you want to, I I pay for a scheduler um, because I have quite a lot going out, but. <laughs> Something like Buffer is, yeah, is free. free. Yeah. Well, I used, um, when I was tweeting for Turabian um, at the University of Chicago, we used, is it um, Hootsuite or something yeah. like that for yeah. the schedule? Yeah. And, um, oh, it was, a, it was a wonderful time saver. I loaded, in fact, when I retired, I loaded a year's worth of those and left <laughs> yeah. them as a, yeah. as a gift for Russell yeah. Harper. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was thrilled. It saved yeah. him a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> So have you had any successes then that you 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 um 
But well, you tried. I, I, yes, I have. And it was, unfortunately, I can't claim credit for it, uh, except <laughs> that I wrote the content originally. But, um, you know, for many years, I was the editor of the Chicago Manual's online Q&A. And um, my colleague, the late David Morrow, uh, talked me, it took him a while to talk me into collecting a few hundred of our favorite questions and answers into a book. I just didn't think it would work, but it did work. And it's called, But Can I Start a Sentence with But? And it came out in 2016 <laughs> and it's done pretty well. I've got that one as well. I'm one of your I'm one of your buyers on that. Yeah, it's a fun read. It it's interesting that you didn't think that that would be successful, but I think it's again it's going back to that thing about having all that information gathered in one place for people mm. rather than people having to, you know, scroll back through previous um, yes. you know, epi episodes, previous um comments on, you know, your Q&A over the years to have it all in one place is well, and it's indexed, which is yeah. um um, and Big I did thing. the index myself. So oh, did I, you? Yeah. Um, Plus, yeah, it's for another, the... Sorry. That's another hour. The thing about that book as well is that it's full of um, stuff that's not going to go out of date. You know, it's kind of pithy, solid advice. It's that kind of stuff that you, you want to look at again and again and again. And you don't want... I, I like the size of it as well. Oh, and it's such a, um, it has a beautiful cover design. It really does. I like that cover design. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I think you're right. The um, You might be surprised at how often we do have to take a question out of circulation because it's out of date. But mm -hmm. on the whole, you're you're absolutely right. They do stay evergreen um, mm -hmm. for the most yeah. part. And I think as soon as you put a book together, people have to realize that, um, I speak from experience here because I was just looking at one of my books the other day and seeing 10,000 mentions of the Society for Editors and Proofreaders, which of oh. course is no, you know, they went and selfishly rebranded. Um, and, Honestly. You know, but I, I think people are sort of fairly forgiving if there's, if there's, you yes. know, when you buy a book sure. like, 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 um, but can I start a sentence with, but you're not expecting that type of content to have a an indefinite shelf life no you know, and people... there's a date on it yeah yeah and yeah. and you you read it for you know it you read it for for a little bit of fun as well it's supposed to be enjoyed I think that book as well as as helping you that was yeah. the plan so I hope so yeah definitely yeah. I think it worked yes yeah. yeah so I'm going to get a bit technical for a moment well well sort of um <laughs> I'm interested to know how much time you spend, if any, on using analytics to guide what you blog about and how you measure its success. Because I think this is work that we have to do, but it has to be balanced. And because any mm -hmm. analytics can turn into a rabbit hole and we yeah. can get fixated on numbers that ultimately don't really have a lot of mm -hmm. impact or meaning for us so is it something that you focus on and if so how much well these days I spend almost zero time on <laughs> right analytics mm -hmm. um, but when I first started out I did check the stats obsessively and I would encourage every blogger to look into it 
you can't break anything and mm -hmm. right away mm -hmm. you'll probably see information that you might find useful for instance the demographic breakdown of your readers or which posts get the most views and the average duration of the views but mm -hmm. the problem is as denise suggested um it can all this information can immediately overwhelm the non-expert which i'm guessing most of us are yeah i mean if a thousand people have clicked on your pronoun post but they bail on average within 30 seconds and that post has been up for a year is that better or worse than when a hundred people stuck around for a whole minute on a different <laughs> post that's only been up for two weeks yeah, yeah. i mean if you yeah. love that question and if you're motivated to learn the answer and then adjust what you write or how you promote your writing as a result and you should definitely get into analytics and, and on the um, other hand, you know, if you if you if you've got that, <laughs> if 500 pe people click on your pronoun post and they bail after 30 seconds, and then one more person comes along and hires you and pays you five thousand dollars for an editing project, it doesn't matter even if they <laughs> the others bailed. And that's the sort of tricky stuff that I think maybe Delise is alluding to because mm. you can end up focusing too much, like. I agree. I think we should have an overview. I think we should have a, a sense of the health of our blog and, and and what it's doing. And patterns, patterns are always good. But but obsessing too much over the numbers. I mean, some some people I know in the marketing industry, they're just like oh. bonkers yeah. about 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 the numbers. And it's like, yeah. yeah. But are you getting any work, or, or is it achieving your goals? You know, if if yes. your goal was to sell. So, um, it it can be tricky to to the more detailed you get into sometimes the more tricky trickier it can be to decide what to do yes and i think the thing about analytics is that they're probably more useful if you're actually selling something on your website and i mean collecting money through yeah. credit cards or paypal or something yeah, yeah. as opposed to just promoting something nebulous that your readers will buy at another site yeah yeah, yeah. definitely I, th I think one of the one of the things I don't know how you feel about this, Louise, but one of the statistics that I do find useful is the bounce rate. Um, I, do you look at that at all? Carol? Uh, I oh, sorry. <laughs> Just, um, no. You oh, mentioned you my as, name before as well, Louise. <laughs> but, but is that I something? I, oh, yeah. I have, and my and my bounce rate is very high. Yeah. But again, that's because I I it's high. It, it's in the normal range for some for a site yeah. that's not selling yes yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and blog bounce rates are often high because people come in and they read the blog post they get the answer and then they leave and they leave again yeah yes. and and so you know to have a bounce rate of like you know 80 90 percent on a blog page is not unusual unusual but if if i have a blog page where the bounce rate is lower then I tend to look at that and see, well, is there something about that page? What is it about that page that I think has kept somebody on my site? So for people that aren't sure, the bounce rate is when somebody comes into a page and then leaves straight from there, doesn't go anywhere else on your website. And if the idea of your blog is to bring people to your website and keep them there for as long as you can because you want to show them what a great editor you are they want you want them to read more of your stuff and that might be as simple as are they bouncing off that page because there are no links on that page to yeah. any of your no other buttons blogs. or anything no, no navigation to tools click. yeah there's no call to action on that page for them to do something else and that something else could be reading another related blog or 
going to another going to a video that you've made about something so those are the sort of statistics that I think are useful in kind of just refining an, a blog a little bit more to make it um, more helpful to somebody so that they have got a reason to go to another resource that you've created on your site um, as part of that process. Yes, um, and there's a there are a million great tutorials mm. for um, yeah. uh, Absolutely. learning analytics and um, we can, you know, there's one that I like called Google Analytics tutorial 2021 it's it's new and um i can you know we can put that link yeah yep. again it's, um, it's like seo isn't it it's another one of these things that you can go down rabbit holes and you can be thinking, oh, i'm not going to touch that but a little bit of that information can can make go a long a, way yeah go a long way yeah yeah we don't all yeah. need to be experts do we no so um give us an example carol of where you've kind of like you were talking about your pronouns post and and, and you know uh, have you had examples where you've had a, a post with a lot of traffic and concluded one thing <laughs> <laughs> but um well, but actually uh, yeah the, but, but then actually oh, thoughts yes. oh it's sorry i wasn't saying that <laughs> have you had, had any posts with a lot of traffic no, but you know, know where you, you well, you know the story, so you yeah. want me to tell it. And yeah. I don't need much encouragement because, um, <laughs> yes, there was the infamous uh, post that um, this was back in the early days of Shop Talk when uh, we just started the blog and we were averaging about 100 pages views a day. And I was looking at the stats all the time. And one morning I saw that in the last few hours, we'd had almost 4,000 new visitors. Wow. So I just was, well, first I thought I'd broken something. I thought it, <laughs> it was, you know, there was something wrong with the analytics because it was just a plain vanilla post for students on something like how to cite the same source multiple times. So I took... I took it over to the um, actual marketing professionals in the department yeah. and right away um, one of these young women figured out that the fantasy writer Patrick Rothfuss had posted <laughs> a link on Facebook because I had used his name or his book, The Name of the Wind, in a citation example. Uh -huh. I think Thanks. it's still our most visited post. Really? And it's not because anyone has the slightest interest in citation styles. They're just fans <laughs> of Patrick Rothfuss. Isn't that interesting? That's the, the power of the keyword and, and the fan yeah. base. Um, you never know, though. Again, that's one of those things where something happens that pushes something out there. And even mm -hmm. if that mm -hmm. means that somebody who wouldn't have seen it before, maybe that's your next big client or who knows. But anyway, it's... It, Every, that must be such a treat though just to look at that and just think <laughs> another name I'd throw into the pot that we can put in the show notes is um someone where Denise and I are both big fans of when it comes to things all things webby um mm -hmm. is Andy Crestadina of Orbit yeah. Media Orbit Media oh. Studios and he has a book called um the um content chemistry chemistry yeah oh great yeah and um Denise you mentioned something yesterday the um the Content Marketing Academy? Is that something? Yeah, else? that unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, well, <laughs> let's, it, yeah, let's clap it, so that you can just take that part out if you want. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. I think but I, because I think um, what that does is it Content Marketing Academy for me gave me great insight into how to use more content marketing in different ways 
for editorial work while mixing with a lot of people who were not editors and learning from them about how they market their products and services. And I think there's a lot to be said for editors stepping outside of our editing circles and doing, um, doing some work and some learning in non-editing areas. Mm -hmm. Because I think that sort of cross fertilization of ideas from people who don't know what editing is and they'll ask you questions that makes you think oh gosh I need to write about that mm -hmm. or they'll have a very different angle or perception of something you've written or some service you have that can really make you think about how you're presenting things and also just watching other people run their small and medium-sized businesses you can take and learn from them and how they do it. And I, I found that, I've said it before about the Content Marketing Academy, it, it, it's not an exaggeration to say that it changed my life because it completely, it gave me a complete rethink about my editing business. And I learned a huge amount from it in the, in the four years that I was involved with it. So, and, you know, look, look out, you know, look up and learn from content marketers. You don't need to be taken in by you know, all the bells and whistles. And some of it is a lot of, you know, that there's a lot of talk and a lot of hype sometimes, but mm. buried within that, there is some really great information um, that we can, that we can use. And the thing about as well, is paying a little bit of attention to the kind of fundamental, the foundational um, teaching of, of the content marketing approach means that you don't do what I did and that's waste, <laughs> not waste. That's not true. That's not fair to say that. Um, I I think that I could have could have achieved more of my goals a lot quicker if I had been more strategic about things. I kind of got to where Denise had this sort of Denise was having an epiphany yes. uh, around about the same time that I was I was going oh yeah that, all that all that stuff I've been doing for like six years that's what that works and 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 I think I know why and then Denise was like at the same time going so I've been learning about this I've been learning about that and I was like oh people are teaching this I, you know what I mean it, I, yeah. it, I just the time that I could have devoted to doing other things or, or or being more efficient about it if if I had if I had thought taking a more strategic approach to my marketing my learning of marketing mm. I think I think I could have um yeah saved myself some time and and going back to something that you mentioned right at the top Kat Carol is that when we start doing this we just you mentioned learning and Denise just mentioned learning again there about her doing the learning but when you when you start creating this stuff you learn too you know we we you 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 develop it's like creating a mini course or something or, or um it's such mm. a it's such a great professional development opportunity to, to when you when you start creating a blog when you start writing a blog so even if let's go to your pronouns one carol um even if you you you're not even sure about uh, pronouns but you decide you want to write on them because it might be interesting for for authors and you want to you want to demonstrate your expertise in that area and then you end up finding out things about pronouns you never knew. And suddenly you feel way more confident and all because you went to write a blog. That's a fantastic thing. I think thing. that's right. And um, I think people uh, go into something they don't know about with different amounts of energy for learning. And, mm -hmm. and I think if you pay attention 
and um, to your own instincts and and learn at your own rate. Mm. It's it's better than if you take on too much and let yourself be overwhelmed by any aspect of it that you just Mm. can't seem to get a grip on. And I often have felt that way that I just don't have a head for certain areas of marketing. And it's either, you know, maybe because I'm they don't interest me or, mm. or, mm. or it could be just, I'm not smart enough to figure them out uh, <laughs> or that I don't have the right teacher. There are a million reasons why you can become overwhelmed by having to learn something. But, um, but again, if you follow your interests, then yeah. that's going to serve you well. Yeah. You'll, you'll do well at the things you're good at. It's always more. Um, and I think you're more, more likely to sort of, if you, if you're, if you're approaching, learning about things that that interest you you're you're more likely to sort of plow away at this when you're when you feel yourself coming unstuck or when it feels hard or when it's difficult whereas if it's something you don't even want to touch with in the first place then it's just a killer so I'm laughing because I'm thinking about Louise how long did it take me to build my WordPress website but I was determined to learn Carol, let to me t- myself. tell you what, Carol, let me tell you, <laughs> talk about wearing an accountability partner hat. If, if she hadn't lived in Glasgow, I, I'd have been round there banging on the door going, come on. <laughs> it was so frustrating for me. Yeah. Oh, no. It took me ages. But again, I wanted that control over it. I wanted to Absolutely. understand it and, and be able to build it myself so that I could fix yes. it myself and change it myself. And it and obviously you're doing that alongside, we, we mustn't forget, we all have editing businesses to run. You know, we're doing this alongside our, yeah, you know, our, our client pers- work. And personal lives, you yeah. know. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. But yeah, it was a slog, but I'm so glad I did it because now I know what I'm doing. <sighs> Kind of, yeah. you know, you know. Yeah, I, I, so am I. I'm so relieved when you got that done. I was <laughs> well, like, yeah, <laughs> that's and, another tip then to take yeah. your time, take your yeah. time and take do it th- the way you want to. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. also, but also maybe have a pal to, to hold you in account, hold you accountable to sort of give you a nudge every now and then and remind you of your goals. You know, if you're, yeah. because yes. we all, we all need a little bit of, um, gosh, the amount of times that Denise and I bounce ideas because I think we both yes you know, like I get with, with any friendship you know there's some things one of you is sort of more driven by and and another is, is strong that way in another area and um and and being able to feed feed off that so that you can kind of find some happy medium for both of you is is really helpful because we can't do it all can we no it's really no. hard yeah you know if you don't have those sort of um killer instincts And on that note, we're going to take a pause and end part two of our conversation with Carol Saller. Join us in part three, episode 79 of the editing podcast for more chat on sales funnels, monetizing your blog, managing reader engagement and more. See you then.